Welcome in to another edition of Region Roundup. I'm James Boyd here with Mike Clark to bring you the latest region news. Mike, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Uh, we will talk about this in a bit, but it's football season again. Even though our Illini just uh, advanced to the second round of the NCAA tournament, um, somehow our calendars are all messed up and Illinois high school football starts tonight so I'm looking forward to that but uh, and we were just talking about beforehand uh, it's going to be kind of cold out there tonight but you know how that works it's like uh, we're doing what we want to do we're in our elements so uh, we'll we'll make the best of it so how are you doing I'm doing good um, obviously it's been uh, a unique week to say the least um, we'll start off here on the pod by talking about um, Tyree Riley, 18-year-old former Griffith basketball player. He was uh, shot and um, died on Monday. It was like late Sunday night, early Monday morning, around midnight. Um, and, uh, Mike, I did the story on him. Um, it's, it's pretty much everywhere now. Uh, I had a chance to speak with his family. And... Um, I think that they appreciated it, but it was hard. It was it was tough because, unfortunately, I've done these types of stories before, but this was the first time that I had actually knew the kid. And, um, you know, if I saw him tomorrow, you know, I'd say what's up and he'd ask me what I'm up to or something like that. Um, wasn't super close with him or anything like that, but he was one of the kids that I just knew around the region, mainly because I interviewed him a couple of years ago. I'll never forget that because... Uh, at the time, I was frustrated because he was uh, being <laughs> so silly during my interview. I couldn't get a quote that, uh, that was that was worthy of put, being put in the story. I was like, man, this kid, uh, you know, is joking around so much. I can't even, you know, use this stuff. But uh, that's kind of who he was. And then um, beyond that, he, he used to just pop up in a lot of big games. I feel like if there was ever a big game, um, and if he wasn't playing and after he had graduated – he was probably going to be there to support some of his friends. And I mean, Mike, I, I tell you all the time, I got a lot of these kids on social media and he knew some of everyone. Um, you know, I got parents that have commented on the story and and uh, messaged me and saying, hey, he really was a great kid. And it's just unfortunate what's happened to him. Um, I'll be going to a balloon release tonight to kind of uh, just bring more uh, imagery to what's going on and, and the effect that it kind of leaves behind but it was a tough one it was a tough one and i know you uh advised me to reach out to the family which i did and um i'm thankful that they were willing to talk yeah um and we've talked about this before um you know as you said i mean these these types of stories are are never easy um but um they're important important to the family they're important to the community um they're important to the uh to the memory of the person who's no longer with us um you know and sometimes it's there are different circumstances and honestly the circumstances don't matter um you know what matters is is that we tell a story in a respectful way about someone who made a massive impact in a short life um which Tyree did. And, uh, you know, um, folks, uh, if you haven't read it, please go and read it. Um, and, uh, one thing I would say, James, the, the image that went with the story that we were able to, uh, to get from the family, I thought was great. 
Um, you know, it's, uh, you know, it, it, it kind of illustrates basically what you were writing about, you know, what you wrote about in the story is that, uh, as you said, he knew so many people and he was very outgoing and, uh, you know, a jokester, you know, whether he was talking to you or whether he was talking to his friends or his family or whoever. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a tragedy and, uh, he will be missed. Um, there's no doubt about that, but, uh, you know, these stories, again, I, as I said, are important because, uh, you know, people deserve to know who he was and yeah. not just, not just the, you know, not just the, the the cold facts of how he died, but they needed to they need to know how he lived too. And uh, he did a lot of living in eighteen years. I'm glad we were able to uh, to put it out there. Um, again, you did a great story or a great job with it, rather. And uh, I know it means a lot to the family. And you know, as you said, you know, it's you, you never really know when you talk to the family. Some families you know, prefer not to speak. And obviously we honor their wishes. You know, the last thing we want to do is intrude on anyone in their, in their grief. But a lot of times it, it feels like it's, uh, um, it, it's something that the family does want to do as it, as it was in this case. Um, you know, they want to keep the memory of their loved one alive. So, um, yeah, tough, Tough assignment, uh, well executed. So, um, and let us move on uh, to uh, another story that uh, some of us really didn't see coming. Um, Hammond High School's final basketball season is over. Uh, they lost in the regional championship game, and uh, it's a tough one um, because, uh, you know, this uh, team uh, was a special team, and uh, the Hammond High School basketball program is such a big part of the community. Um, you know, it's it's community deep through and through. Um, Larry Moore Sr., who's the athletic director, you know, we've talked about this on the pod before. You you talked to him. You know, you got his history. You know, he played there. It was an Indiana All Star. Was Larry Bird. He's wrapping up his uh, career now, actually, as the Hammond High AD. His son is the coach um, and is a very uh, close-knit team, obviously. Uh, unfortunately, they had a serious injury to one of their players. Well, I don't know how serious. But I mean, I don't want to overblow it, but I mean a, a, an injury to one of their players, uh, one of their main players, and that, that might have... Uh, been a tough blow for them to overcome yeah um i was not at this game we had uh four teams i believe uh, not four teams we had about six teams make it out to uh to the regional round and i was uh sent out to go cover bowman who uh had their season come to an end against uh fort wayne blackhawk in the in the class 2a uh regional championship at north judson but i did uh was following the tweets mike uh and following along and see what was hammond doing and um, like you said, uh, it's, it's over, um, and it's more final than any other, you know, season-ending loss. And uh, the thing that kind of one, I'll point out a couple things. Without Reggie Abram, who I, I believe he didn't play, I know he didn't play in the sectional. I don't think he played the regional either. Um, so he missed uh, all five of their postseason games. 
And the fact that they were on the brink of winning a regional championship without, in my opinion, their best player. Um, not the most talented, but their best player. In my, I think he, I think he makes them go. It was pretty remarkable. Um, they were up by a lot. And then they, you know, South Bend St. Joe stormed back. And then they stormed back to send it into overtime. And they kind of ran out of gas. So, um, yeah, I, I think I wasn't, like, surprised that they lost. I just thought that after they forced it into overtime, I was like, oh, they got some new life. Because they, they were, I mean, they were down, I think, seven with, like, two minutes to go and forced overtime. And I thought, okay, well, you know, um, they got new life. But it's it's March. Anything can happen. And, um, you know, South Bend St. Joe won the game. And the thing that I always kind of get reminded of and I try to remind others of is that, you you know, I'm not a fan of any of the region teams. I can't say that they deserve to be in a position more than any other team. You just go and cover the game and whatever happens, happens. Now, granted, to be completely honest, it obviously helps to, you know, when you interview a team that wins, the interviews usually come a little easier and things like that. But, I mean, overall, uh, I don't want people to lose sight of the fact that Hammond had a remarkable season. They were number one in the state for the first time since, I believe, 1974 which was Larry Moore's senior, senior year, in which you already talked about. He was an all-star and things like that. They won 18 straight games. Uh, you know, only had two losses. Lost the season opener and then lost in the regional championship. So uh, by a combined, looking at here right, by a combined nine points. So, you know, give or take 10, 11, 12 points, that's your, you know, they're, they're probably undefeated. So um, I could go on about them, but it was a great year. And I, I think the one thing that I, that makes me a little not bitter, but just kind of like, you know, a, a sense of incompleteness is like wondering what would have happened had they been at full strength and had Reggie been able to be at full strength. Because, you know, I saw him play in the regional, I mean, in, in the regular season uh, f- uh, finale against Valpo. He was phenomenal in the first half, went down with the injury in the second half. And I didn't realize at that time that he wouldn't play again in his high school career. So, um, he was their starting point guard for the last four years. And again, to me, he made them go. So it's just one of those things. You wonder like, hey, you know, if last season doesn't get canceled, does Hammond win last year? You know, if Reggie doesn't get hurt this year, do they win this year? But that's kind of what sports and, and, and at least life in COVID, at least last year, that's kind of what it's been. It's kind of been the what ifs and, you know, it gets to this time of the year, you don't get any do over. So, uh, you know, South Bend St. Joe advances and uh, Hammond's. It's over. So we'll see uh, what transpires going forward uh, at Hammond Central. But, you know, I'm excited for the future there. And um, I'm definitely going to do my part to kind of highlight not only Hammond, but the other schools that are that are closing down, Clark and Gabbitt as well. So um, it was, yeah, I, like you said, it was unexpected. And it definitely was, I think, on paper. But I think if anybody knew as far as we, you know, us being pretty close to the team and covering them, Anybody who knew they didn't have Reggie probably knew, you know, there was a chance that they didn't get through um, just because he's, he was so important to that team. Yeah, and one of the things that uh, I'll throw out there a little bit, too, um, there was a little Facebook conversation that I was involved in uh, leading up to the regional. And uh, one of the things that uh, someone who was kind of an insider in Hammond Sports said is that you know, this is probably just the beginning, honestly. Uh, well, it's, I don't know if it's the beginning, but it's 
it's not the end for Hammond High School slash Hammond Central because uh, there's a lot of talent in that uh, feeder system. And I don't know if this is true or not, but what I'm told is that Eggers, which is one of the feeder schools, has got one of the best junior high teams in the entire country. Um, So I I don't know how you judge that, but uh, take that for what it's worth. Um, You know, presumably Larry Moore Jr. is going to stick around and... uh, you know, I mean, we saw kind of what they were capable of doing this year. They beat every good 4A team in the area. They beat Munster, they beat Valpo, they beat Chesterton, they beat Westside. You know, I mean, so, you know, what they did, their body of work is pretty remarkable, and it looks like they're going to be pretty good in the new configuration going forward. Um, that being said, like you said, uh, Bowman also got knocked out. We have two teams advancing, Westside and Couts. And, uh, you know, not a surprise for Westside. Chris Bugs has been kind of building toward this for a long time, as we know. Um, he's got this generational kind of a team at Westside, too, really, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And to see the, you know, the urban core schools of Hammond and Westside having great seasons in tandem at the same time is kind of cool, honestly, uh, because that's a very old school thing in the region. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. um, these are teams that, you know, have historically been good and now they're good again. And, uh, and counts, of course, is, you know, a team that's, uh, been building toward this as well. You know, I mean, that's the thing about all three of these teams, really Hammond, uh, West side and counts is that, you know, their coaches knew a few years ago that this was going to be the year, um, because they all have some, some great talents. I mean, obviously Westside, we talked about Jalen Washington and Krishan Christmas and Mason Nicholson and Kamari Peterson. Uh, you know, Kyle says the Wireman brothers. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, we knew these guys were going to be coming into their own, and here they are on the semi-state, one game away from the state champ, or one game away from reaching the state finals, two games away from winning a state title, and, uh, you know, We'll see how these last two weeks go. Hopefully there will be two weeks for us. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'll be heading down to Lafayette Jeff tomorrow, Saturday, to check them out and see uh, who gets through. Um, I do believe that um, Couch is favored to win. Um, I think that's a fair thing to say. Um, And then from what I've heard with Westside and Carmel, um, it's kind of a toss-up. I mean, Carmel's, they were number two. In the AP rankings when the season regular season ended, Westside was number nine. Um, I do believe that Westside should have been higher, in my opinion, just because of how great they were down the stretch of the regular season and into the postseason. But, you know, maybe that's my region bias, uh, if you want to call it that. But, I mean, when you have a five-star recruit um, and you're playing as great as they are, I think you should get a little, little more nod uh, in the rankings. But either way... Um, it should be a great game. Um, you get to this point of the year where whoever teams are left, they aren't bad teams. They're good teams. And even if they're not like great teams, they usually have a great player or two that got them there. So um, I'm excited to see them. Um, last time I saw Westside was when they won their first sectional championship in 16 years. Um, now they're trying to get through the state for the first time since then as well. So um, it, it'll be exciting. Um, I know that that game is sold out. I believe it was like 1,800 tickets or something like that. 
And um, couch tickets are still available from what I understand. But, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that'll be pretty packed as well. Because couch fans travel very well, Mike. I don't know if you saw the gallery, but they come out. Uh, and and, and I'm, I have a feeling that when I go down um, to, to Jeff tomorrow, I'm going to hear a lot of couch fans and probably feel like I'm at a couch game, a home game. Because they, I mean, and, and to me, they're like the like the perfect example of like that Hoosier movie vibe, like the small town, you know, they don't have a football team, basketball is all that they do, all that they really care about in the PCC tournament, things like that. So, you know, it's a big deal for the people of that community. And, um, you know, as much as people are talking about Westside getting through, if Cows were to get through, it would be their first time in a long time as well, I believe. Uh, Westside's last semi-state championship was 2002, and then, and then uh, the last time Cal was in a semi-state was 2001, and they've never won one, so they've never been to state. So um, it, it'll be cool to see if some history can be made, but um, either way, uh, like we always say, you got to play the games to get there, so I'm excited to have the privilege of covering the biggest games of the year. Yeah, and uh, we would be uh, remiss if we did not mention We'll be keeping the book for uh, Couch, uh, Keith Newst. Um, the best of the best. Is, yeah, Keith, Keith uh, you know, we've written about Keith before, and I'm sure a lot of people, if not almost everybody on this podcast, knows who he is. I mean, he's the most famous scorekeeper in Northwest Indiana. There's nobody who's even close. Um, he's because the best he's been at doing it, it, honestly. He, he's been doing it for 50-some years maybe 60 years i don't even know anymore but uh just uh you know one of the the great region personalities you know he's just there he's, he's been there for every game you know yeah i don't and think i have not, to ask if just, he had a ticket for saturday i'm pretty sure he'll yeah, be uh, he'll be there <laughs> yeah not uh not just the boys team but the girls team girls basketball team and you know we wrote about this robbie weinstein wrote about this before he while I was still here and uh, you know Couts is probably unique in the area that their athletic director puts together their boys and girls basketball schedule so they're not playing at the same time uh, because Keith wants to be there for the girls games as well as the boys games so he can keep score for them too and then of course he does uh, spring sports as well so um, you know that would be an awesome story for, for Keith to be able to keep the book for a state championship game that would be something else. Um, I think you keep it better than the people they have doing it at state. To be honest. <laughs> oh no, no <laughs> doubt. Um, more basketball uh, and some big, really big girls basketball news. Uh, we have two senior all stars. We talked about the junior all stars last week. Uh, we talk about the senior all stars this week: Trinity Thompson from Michigan City and Courtney Blakely from Bishop Knoll. Not really, not really a surprise, although. I think that, you know, sometimes there's a little bit of wondering, you know, whether the, the region's going to get recognized statewide, and uh, this time they did. So uh, congrats to both of them. A huge honor. Yeah, um, just a little background on both players. If you've been under a rock, um, Trinity Thompson, I think she averaged about 22 and 15 this year in Michigan City. Uh, had a double-double in all 19 games. Um, one of the most dominant players in the state. And she was an Indiana Junior All-Star last year, so now she's doubling up with the Indiana All-Star not as a senior. Um, Courtney led the state in scoring. I think it was like 31.7 points a game. 
Um, you know, the only other person in region history, girls basketball history, that scored more points than her is Dana Evans, who's at Louisville now and, and starring there and trying to lead them to their first national championship here, um, you know, this weekend in the NCAA tournament, things like that. But um, Courtney was not a junior all-star last year. And, um, you know, people had their opinions about that. But this year, I mean, it, she was just undeniable. Um, two 50-point games. She had a week there where she averaged over 40 a game, and I think like four or five games or something crazy. I think I wrote about it. It was like over 130 points or something in four games in a week. Um, and she was just unstoppable, unguardable. I mean, she, she probably faced every defense imaginable. And um, there were games that I saw Courtney play, and I was thinking, wow, she's just better than everyone else. And I don't say that arrogantly. I just mean, like, you play defense, you force tough shots, and if she's making tough shots, you kind of just look at, like, what do you do besides, you know, uh, I, I guess, uh, I don't know, lock her in the locker room and don't let her come out. You know, she, she was that type of player, getting get on, get on the court. Any, anywhere on the court is in her range, and if she saw a few go in, I mean, it was going to be a long night. So I know they're excited. And also, she's the second Indiana All-Star in her family, uh, following the footsteps of her mom, uh, Angela Hamblin Blakely, who was who was a region legend. But honestly, she's the most humble woman like ever. Um, she is very big on letting her kids, both Courtney and Kennedy, who's, uh, who's playing at Bishop Knoll now, a couple years younger than Courtney. Um, she's very big on letting her kids be themselves. Um, letting them carve out their own path. She didn't force them to play basketball. They love it themselves. And um, she's kind of, you know, she's not the type to be like, oh, I did this and then my daughter did this. She's like, no, I'm my daughter's biggest cheerleader now. So um, it's really cool to see. And, um, yeah, I kind of get reminded of, like, you know, how much uh, great girls basketball um, we've had in the region. And it's, it's really cool to see things kind of come full circle. You know, Crown Point winning their first state championship since 1985. Courtney becoming an Indiana All-Star, you know, following her mom's footsteps. Um, so it's been a really big year for region girls basketball. I'm looking forward to, um, you know, the, the Indiana All-Star games, you know, juniors versus seniors. A lot of people think the, the juniors can probably get the seniors. I don't know. We'll see. Um, and I'm also just excited that there will be some type of game for them to play this year. I know that. I don't think there will be any um, – I know there won't be any any uh, Kentucky Junior All-Star games uh, for the Indiana Junior All-Stars, but they'll have a couple games for the uh, the, the, the Senior All-Stars. So um, last year this was all canceled due to COVID, so you kind of just got your jersey in the mail and that was it. But um, this year they'll get a chance to compete. And, um, you know, I'm excited for it just because it kind of just puts a cap on a season. And, um, you know, it's like the last chance you'll get for a lot of these seniors to represent your high school before going off to do some other things. So uh, it should be fun. Yeah, and we know you. You can't get enough hoops. No, no, not at all. I don't know (laughs) if I'll be able to make it or what's going on. But, um, you know, I'm enjoying the ride, man. It's been been crazy. Basketball in Indiana this year, um, I don't think people can deny that – you know, we've Indiana has kind of become the mecca of basketball again, especially this year. I mean, it's got the you know Big Ten tournament, you got the NCAA tournament, uh, men's tournament that is, and then you got you know Indiana All Star games and, and state champions. And, and I mean, they made it through a pandemic to get to this point, and they're still making it through. So, yeah, like you said, every time you you, you know you tell me I got to go to a basketball game, 
It's like riding a bike, Mike. It's easy. It's no stress. I know the lingo. I know the terms. Um, I know I'm looking forward to it. So it should be fun. Um, and again, hats off to those girls. Um, all four of them, Jessica Carruthers, Lily Stoddard, who are junior all-stars, Courtney Blakely, and, and um, Trinity Thompson, who are senior all-stars, because they work extremely hard. I've known all of them since my time here in the region over the last two and a half, three years. So I've seen them grow into the players that they are. And um, it, it's been awesome to see their hard work, you know, get rewarded. Because that's what you preach. So, Absolutely. And uh, so as we turn a little bit here, um, as promised uh, earlier on, uh, yeah, I am, as we speak, it's Friday afternoon here. Um, and I'm getting ready to figure out exactly how much cold weather gear I need for <laughs> the start of the, the start of the Illinois high school football season. It's starting in a few hours from when we speak. By the time most of you folks have heard this, uh, first games will probably be over. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, as we talked about last week a little bit, uh, we didn't know if we were going to get to this point. We are to this point, and Illinois high school sports are in a frantic race to get everything in. They're going to play every single sport, um, before the school year, well, I was going to say before the school year is over. Actually, some of the sports are going to bleed over into June after the school year is over for most kids. But uh, we're going to, we are going to play. Um, football is going to play six games, no playoffs, and uh, you know that sounds kind of anticlimactic, but uh, kids are happy, excited, thrilled to be playing. Um, I'm excited to be covering it again. You know, I didn't know if I was going to get a football season to cover this year, but uh, again, here we are. I'm going to be going out to uh, TF South, and uh, we're going to see how things are going to work. Um, you know, the spectators are going to be limited. Um, I think the current state guideline is 20% of capacity. And one of the things with that, of course, is it's like I don't know how many. Uh, high school football stadiums have ever actually figured out what their capacity is. I mean, nobody ever really needed to know that before. So we'll see how that all that works. But there will be football. Um, only about a little bit over two weeks of practice. So some coaches are saying it could be a little bit ragged, you know, just because people are kids are getting up to speed and everything. Um, some kids are coming off of basketball. Uh, TF South's quarterback is Isaiah Lewis, who was. Uh, one of the key players on their pretty successful basketball team, um, which finished their season a week ago yesterday, actually. So he's only been with the football team full-time for a week, which is kind of nuts. But uh, again, here we are. Um, looking forward to that. Other sports are, you know, like I said, basketball is finishing up actually today and tomorrow in the public league. Uh, some other Traditional fall sports are underway, boys' soccer and girls' volleyball. But, you know, in a few weeks, we're going to be getting to baseball and softball and track, and it's going to be kind of crazy keeping track of what season is it anymore. It's spring, but uh, everything is going on. So, um, But again, you know, and kind of a theme that we've talked about a little bit too, you know, certainly in the last year of doing the podcast is uh, uh, kids want to play. And uh, now that the pandemic is not over, folks, keep masked up. Please get vaccinated when you can. But uh, 
things are opening up for sure and we just need to keep that momentum going so that this is the last pandemic year of sports and when we come around to uh the 21 22 school year um you know this is mostly behind us so anyway uh there's that and uh finished up with a little bit more basketball uh the ncaa tournament and no folks this is not James and I talking about our Illini, <laughs> much much as we love them. After today's uh, first round win over Drexel, no surprise there. Possibly looking forward to a second round game against Loyola, which would be a fun thing for the state of Illinois. Obviously, now it's uh, we're talking about uh, Drake, which is uh, the region's adopted team, basically. So many. So many local kids. A couple of them are hurt, actually, right now. Roman Penn and uh, Shinquan Humphill, I guess, are out. But uh, yeah, Humphill just other... came back for the NCAA yeah. tournament game, but he's hardly played. But yeah, he right. did make his comeback. But yeah, Penn's done for the rest of the year. Unfortunately. Yeah, but we do have some other locals there, and oh, uh, yes. an exciting win over Wichita State in the first four games. Um, so congrats to the Bulldogs on getting into the field of 64 from the field of 68 you know it's and some people were like well should they have been there in the first place you know and I'm, I'm talking about that from the standpoint of you know were they better than that that, that they should have had to play in the first four game but uh, you know I think they'll take it right now yeah they won 53-52 um, a true March Madness fashion you know uh, the last shot by Wichita State um, you know, glanced off the rim and you survive in advance. Um, and the one player I'll point out, which uh, in our in our game story, we got Paul Oren covering the, uh, the tournament for us. He pointed out that DJ Wilkins, Maryville grad, um, he played some of the best defense of his life. Um, he held Wichita State's leading scorer, Tyson Etienne, um, to, I believe, one point. And uh, he went he went 0 for 6 uh, shooting from the floor. And he came into the game averaging 17 points a game. Um, Cole, American Athletic Conference Player of the Year. Um, so to hold another team's scoring leader to one point and not even allow him a field goal the first game all season, he didn't have a field goal. Hats off to DJ Wilkins because he's kind of known as, as being like a guy who can score and give them some offense. But, I mean, he proved that he probably should have been on the MVC, you know, all defensive team or, or in the selections or something. Because, I mean, that type of performance is, is, I mean, that's what every coach would probably dream of when they say, hey, we need you to shut down this player. You're hoping that they slow him down. But, I mean, he shut another player down. And then, again, going back to the final score, 53-52, you held the best player to one point. That, that, that's, a big, that's a big thing, you know, as far as trying to get your team over the hump. Um, when you're shorthanded, like I said, Roman Penn is out. Um, Pimp Hill came back, but he only played like 10 minutes. Um, he's dealing with some foot injuries, and he's working his way back. And got to see how he feels for game number two. But, um, yeah, they advanced. They're going to play, I believe, USC on uh, Saturday. So uh, we'll see if they can uh, get into the round of 32. Um, but it was their first NCAA win in 50 years. And um, something that was... Probably well-deserved, depending on, you know, how you look at their season. They started off, I believe, winning 18 straight games. Um, then they kind of had a couple injuries, and, and it kind of could have been derailed, but they rallied and gutted out a win 
in March when it matters most. So uh, that was awesome to see. Um, I know a lot of people in the region who were excited about it. And um, like you said, it's the region's adopted team. And, and I just refer to them as, as Region U. So, um, you know, I never thought I'd be watching a Drake basketball game. Um, but, yeah, I'll be tuning in again to make sure I know what's going on. Okay, and I think that wraps it up for us for this week. Again, uh, you know, what we should say also, uh, I guess, before we go, uh, thanks so much for supporting local journalism. All these stories that we've talked about um, would not be possible without uh, your support. Listening, uh, sharing our stories, reading our stories, subscribing to uh, the print edition, the online edition. Uh, We appreciate that so much um, because we know it's a tough time for a lot of folks. Um, Budgets are tight um, in the pandemic era for sure. And the fact that you uh, support us during this time means so much to us. And we're glad to be able to bring these stories to you. And we look forward to bringing you many more. So anyway, on that note, we will wrap it up and we will talk to you next week.